All right. Today we got some updated rules. The FMCSA, that's the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, is updating the hours of service rules for commercial vehicles starting 29th of September 2020. So if you hear this at a later time, maybe things have changed because things, you know, they have a tendency to to change things around inconveniently. So always best to check to see what the new rules are. But anyway, what I'm going to do is go ahead and start the show, and then I'll uh, have the computer read this off so it's very clear and precise so you know exactly what it is. Now, my suggestion is if you really want to go into depth on this, go to the FMCSA's webpage. Just type in FMCSA. Type in, you know, hours of service changes, and you'll and you will be able to, <laughs> I messed up my words there. See, that's why I'm letting the computer read the rules. It will if you go to their website, you can dig down and you can really get into the the rulemaking and the you know the details of the whole thing. And you know, and I didn't record the whole thing and do it that way because oh my god, it would have took forever. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put this up and then afterwards I'm gonna put up uh, an interview that the head of the FMCSA did a webinar. It's uh it's a little uh hard to listen to, but you might get something out of it and we'll see what happens after that. But you know, at least listen to the very first part, the you know, the the four key changes, which will be the short haul exemption, the adverse driving conditions exception, uh the thirty minute break requirement, which is a biggie for a lot of us, and the sleeper burst provision. So that being said, let's get on with the show, and uh, I'll end it. Well, let's see what happens. All right, here we go. Keeping that hammer down all across the nation. Checking cities off his list. Sharing stories of the road right here on his station. You are listening to the Kingfish. Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network. Mm. Expand your mind on the open road with Kingfish right here. Hours of service. What is changing? 1. Short haul exception expands the short haul exception to 150 air miles and allows a 14-hour work shift to take place as part of the exception. 2. Adverse driving conditions exception expands the driving window during adverse driving conditions by up to an additional 2 hours. 3. 30-minute break requirement. Requires a 30-minute break after 8 hours of driving time, instead of on-duty time, and allows an on-duty-slash-not-driving period to qualify as the required break. 4. Sleeper berth provision. Modifies the sleeper berth exception to allow a driver to meet the 10-hour minimum off-duty requirement by spending at least 7, rather than at least 8 hours of that period in the berth and a minimum off-duty period of at least 2 hours spent inside or outside the berth, provided the two periods total at least 10 hours, and that neither qualified period counts against the 14-hour driving window. All right, now here's the... Uh hours of service uh, webinar that the uh, FMCSA put out. So I'm just going to go straight into that. So here we go. Now keep in mind, this isn't uh, great audio right here and uh, it's a little boring, but you know, you might find some important stuff here. So 
Welcome to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's overview of the Hours of Service Final Rule. Thank you for joining us for this webinar. Today, we are joined by Joe DeLorenzo, Acting Associate Administrator for the FMCSA Office of Enforcement, and Rich Clemente, Transportation Specialist with the Office of Policy. They will be sharing information about the Hours of Service Final Rule, published in June 1st, 2020. Joe? Thank you, and thanks everybody for joining us. Appreciate you all taking the time with us today, where Rich and I will provide you with a nice overview of what's in the new hours of service final rule. So moving right into it, I think everybody knows by now that the rule was published on June 1st with an effective date of September 29th. On that date is the date when you can start using the new provisions of this rule and they may not be used prior to that date. There are four specific items that we included in this rule that will be discussed today. First is the short haul exception, adverse driving conditions. We'll also talk about the 30 minute break requirement and the split sleeper berth provision. Before we start talking about each of those provisions, I think it's important to note that this rule was based specifically on the input that we received from a variety of stakeholders in FMCSA's regulations, from truckers, from motor carriers, others in the industry, as well as safety advocates, Congress, and other citizens of the United States. There are critical changes in this rule that will result in cost savings to the industry to help strengthen the motor carrier industry, which is especially important now as we work through the economic recovery. The main part of this rule, though, is to provide flexibility to drivers in how they schedule their days to be most efficient, safe, and productive in their activities each day. There was a three-step process that we used when we published this rule. The first is the advance notice of proposed rulemaking. From there, we determined which provisions we would include in the rule and received over 5,000 comments there. Then the notice of proposed rulemaking, which allowed for comments on the specific provisions that we chose. And now we're in the final rule stage where we're working towards implementation, as I mentioned earlier, on September 29th of this year. So at this point, I think it's time to get right into discussing what the changes will be. And I'm going to start off by talking about the changes to the short haul exception. Everybody that utilizes this exception probably realizes that the current requirement for using the short haul exception is 100 air miles and a 12-hour duty day. However, this provision in the new rule extends that to 150 air miles and extends the maximum duty period from 12 to 14 hours. So essentially, at this point in time, it allows an additional 50 air mile radius as you can see it with the diagrams on the right, providing uh, additional area that a driver can operate in and an additional two hours and still be able to take advantage of the exception. It's also important to note that when you're using this exception, this is a simply an exception from filling out a record of duty status, as well as the 30 minute break requirement most important part of this rule, however, is the fact that if you comply and you are able to take advantage of this exception, you do not have to fill out a record of duty status. 
I'll mention this a little bit later in the slide, but it's also worth mentioning now that the only consequence, however, if there are days where you cannot meet this exception at a short haul driver, is that during those particular days, you would fill out a logbook. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go forward. So moving on then to the next slide, there's some additional points that are important to be made as far as eligibility for this exception. So again, I talked earlier about the 150 air mile radius, 14 hour period. It's also important to note that the shift may only start and end in the same location. So you have to return to where you started that day. There has to be a minimum of 10 hours off for property drivers or eight hours for those operating passenger carrier vehicles. And the record has to include the start and end times for each day on the time record. That's a record that has to be maintained at the carrier's place of business. Doesn't have to be brought along with the driver, be available in the cab, but it does have to be available on request if somebody were to ask for it at the carrier's place of business. Nothing else changed. None of the hours of service rules change, nothing relating to the non-CDL short haul exception. It's simply the exception for filling out a record of DD status that is most important in this particular case where we extended it to 150 air miles in 14 hours for both passenger and property carriers. So talking again a little bit more about what we discussed earlier about the short haul exception and not filling out a record of duty status using the ELD for those days, all that has to be done is the carrier must maintain a time record, as we discussed in the last slide, with the start and end of each day at the carrier's place of business. The time has to include the total time for the previous seven days, and like all records of duty status, they have to be maintained for six months. If for some reason a driver doesn't meet that exception on any given day, either they got held up and they couldn't uh, get back within the 14 hours, or a particular customer is outside of that 150 air mile radius. Just like today, all that has to happen is the driver has to fill out a logbook or use an ELD for that day. It is important to note that the ELD rule itself does have a provision in it where there is an exception from using an ELD as long as the number of days within any 30-day period where a driver is required to fill out a log is eight or less. So keeping that in mind in terms of scheduling and operations, where there's times where you may go over that 14 hours or the 150 miles you need to fill out a logbook, as long as it remains at eight or less, the driver can stick with a paper log and not need an ELD for those days. So keeping all of that in mind in terms of how you operate and how drivers are scheduled is probably the most important piece when you're taking advantage of this exception. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Rich. And he's going to start us going through the next couple of provisions, starting with the adverse driving condition. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for everyone attending today and listening in uh, to the webinar. I'm going to cover the second of the four revised provisions, which was the adverse driving condition definition in 395.2 of the federal regulations. Previously, the adverse driving conditions were defined as meaning snow, sleet, fog, or other adverse weather conditions, highway covered with snow or ice or unusual road and traffic conditions, none of which were apparent at the time of the person dispatching the run at that time. What we've done in the changes in the new rule is we've revised the definition slightly to include the driver in making some of these determinations 
if it was not reasonably known to the driver immediately prior to beginning the duty day or immediately before beginning driving after a qualifying rest break or sleeper berth period. So we've given the driver some leeway here in uh, knowing what the conditions may be, and that it's not just up to the dispatcher as it had been in the past, or to a motor carrier immediately prior to dispatching the driver on a run. So we've slightly tweaked the definition in 395.2 as one part of this change in the rule. What we've also done under the previous rule, uh, the adverse driving conditions exception, it only allowed an additional two hours of driving time for adverse driving. It had no effect whatsoever on the 14-hour driving window or extending that window or the 15-hour on-duty limit for passenger carriers. So what we've done in the new rule, and this is in 395.382 and 395.582, is extend those windows, the 14-hour window, up to 16 hours to allow for adverse driving. And we've also allowed the 15-hour on-duty limit for the passenger carriers to be extended by two hours, along with point number two on the slide about amending the definition of adverse driving, as I spoke about. So it provides additional time when these conditions arise. Okay, for example, we have an example here on the slide. The driver was 15 miles from their destination where there's a gravel spill on a bridge, let's say, and the bridge is the only access to the destination. It would give the driver an additional two hours to either pull over, uh, park the truck, and gives them an additional two hours without counting against their 14-hour driving window to let the road get cleared up, and then they'd be able to go on their way. We do suggest, as well as part of this, that the drivers annotate their logbook or their electronic logging device uh, with an annotation that the, the two hours or however long time was spent for these reasons for utilizing the adverse driving conditions exception. The next major change that we made in the rule, this is number three, is on the current 30-minute break requirement, and that's in Section 395.3A32 currently. Previously, uh, the 30-minute break was tied to the start of the workday, and when an individual had worked at least eight hours, including driving time, they would have to take a minimum of a 30-minute break. This is under the current rules. And previously, that break could only be satisfied either with off-duty time or sleeper birth time of 30 minutes consecutive time. What we've done with the changes in the new rule is that the 30-minute break can be satisfied now not only with those two, but also with an on-duty, not driving period break so that the break can be satisfied in any of those three ways and the time has to be 30 minutes consecutive and it could be in these different duty statuses. For example, 10 minutes of off-duty, 10 minutes of sleeper birth, and 10 minutes of on-duty, uh, not driving time. Again, that time would all have to be spent consecutively. The break is tied with the new rule, it's tied to driving time, which is different than when the day starts. The individual is going to have to take a 30-minute break after eight hours of cumulative driving time, not consecutive, but cumulative driving time. For example, if the driver had driven four hours and then took a, let's say, 15-minute break and then drove another four hours, that 15-minute break would not suffice for breaking up that eight hours of cumulative driving time. So at that point, the individual would have to take at least a 30-minute 
break to satisfy the new rule. And again, that could be used with on-duty time as well. Now I'll turn it back over to Joe. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate you walking us through those provisions. That was very helpful. I'm going to go through the last provision here, which is the changes to the split sleeper birth provision. So just by way of a quick overview, the way that the rule reads, if the driver chooses to, the driver can split that 10-hour off-duty period that's required, as long as it includes two periods as described on this slide. So the first one has to be at least two hours long, uh, and that may be off-duty or in the sleeper berth. And the second one has to be at least seven hours long, again, as long as they both total 10. The driver still has the option to take 10 hours off straight if they so choose. However, this is an option for those drivers using split sleeper berth where they can split it into two different pieces, as I just described. When you use this provision, if you use it properly and have the two periods that then add up to 10 hours, neither of those will count against your 14-hour driving window. So as I stated early in the introduction, this provides the ability for a driver to have a little bit of flexibility and when they take their time, utilize that flexibility to allow themselves to be more efficient, perhaps by taking one of those off-duty periods at a time where there's rush hour traffic or something along those lines and allow them to be more productive because that time isn't counting against their 14-hour day. So it's really important to note that, again, if you use both periods together, then you can exclude them from that 14-hour clock. So we'll talk a little bit about a couple of examples just because sometimes it's hard to really grasp how this works. And also note that the examples that we use are of a 7-3 or an 8-2 split. But remember, as I said on the last slide, it's a minimum of two hours and a minimum of seven hours. So it could be two and a half hours. It could be three. It could be three and a half hours. As long as the total of those meets the requirements that I said earlier, one is at least two, one is at least seven, and they total ten. So in the examples that are there on the first day, you can see on the driver's ELD that there was a three-hour off duty period between 7 and 10 a.m., and then the seven hours starting there later in the day of sleeper burst time. And it is important to note that when doing the calculation, when you have two qualifying periods, you look at either side of the first qualifying period to determine compliance. So in this case, we make the assumption that the driver started off with a fresh clock coming off of a day off or 34-hour restart or whatever at the beginning of day one. So for calculating your 11 and 14-hour rule, you look at the midnight to 7 a.m. time period. And as we said earlier, that time from 7 to 10 is excluded. So then you also add in the time from the 10 a.m. until the driver goes off duty there around 5 p.m. So that is the time that is counted. And as you can see there, there's... 11 hours of driving, so it all works out, um, and the 14-hour rule is being complied with. So on the second day, uh, it's just a similar example of the 8-2 and two split, and it works exactly the same way that I just described. 
So you have a two-hour period this time just from 7 to 9 tied together with an eight-hour period at the end of the day. Either side of that first qualifying period is what's used to determine compliance. So these are good examples of what I used earlier where perhaps the driver uh, ran across a place where there was some rush hour traffic, able to take some off-duty time, get some things done or whatever the case happens to be during that time, and then head back out driving to get where they needed to go to make their delivery, and then took a longer period at the end of the day. So that's an example of how it works and how the calculation works. And from there, then, it, it's just a continual rolling clock if you continue to use that split. So as we mentioned, the changes take effect on September 29th. It's at that point in time that drivers can start using the split sleeper, adverse driving conditions, the new 30-minute brake requirement comes into effect, and the new short-haul provision, all starting on September 29th, but not before. And if you're looking for more information, we have our website set up at fmcsa.dot.gov, where you can find information about hours of service. We'll be posting all sorts of information over there over the course of the next couple months to help make it easier to understand and provide as much guidance as we can as we work towards implementation of these new provisions. So with that, I thank everybody for their time and attendance, and we appreciate your attention to the new rule and your continued focus on safety and building the American economy. Thank you. Well, if you lasted all the way through that, that's the uh, FMCSA leadership talking to you about the new hours of service changes that are coming on September 29th. That's just an overview. The best thing to do is, you know, they're not really complicated changes. They're just kind of be kind of annoying and different than what we're used to, but some of them make sense. The 30 minute break is a big one for me. Um, that's going to make a lot of sense. I'm going to like that because a lot of times I just, I don't know, I just don't like to stop for 30 minutes and sit there and have nothing to do. Sometimes I go for a walk, but I'm not going to miss that one. So you still got to take it. It's just you can do one thing. You can feel the truck, you know, and while you're doing other things, you just can't be driving. So that's going to be different. So anyway, that's all I got. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more questions on this as we go along. These go into effect September 29th. 2020 so this is dated information things may change between now and then if they do then you know just you know go with the flow on that all right so that's all i got for today kingfish out